Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. I have been very fortunate with the journey of this podcast to chat with many experts and knowledgeable people. As new people come to the podcast every week, we want to take all the highlights and helpful information from previous discussions to provide them to you to assist you with your own high-performance home journey. Does every house need or benefit from mechanical ventilation or what's kind of your target house that you would be working on? So if, if we start in the really simple form of mechanical ventilation, we can consider bathroom extract fans as mechanical ventilation. So we need to kind of think of it in a sliding scale kind of manner. Mm-hmm. And so if we started out at 10 air changes per hour, 50 pascals, which we consider to be relatively leaky. Uh, it might be where a really um, a really basic build sits. Um, out at that level, you're definitely going to want to have mechanical um, extract fans in there. You might start to consider some um, fresh air ventilation. At, at that level, you're not going to get much out of heat recovery. Um, in terms of that energy benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a little bit of comfort benefit, but you don't want to be spending much out at 10 air changes per hour because the, the benefits you're going to reap from an expensive system are pretty small. Uh, so in that really simple scenario, you might actually have um, just a, a fan, a filtered supply air fan that can give you what we'll call trickle ventilation. Um, and trickle ventilation, yeah, we might be sort of talking um, sort of 10 litres a second or something like that, just really low levels just to keep a bit of air movement through the house. Let's say we're at, um, and, and these are arbitrary numbers, we're at seven air changes per hour. We might start mm-hmm. thinking about a bathroom exhaust fan that's a high-low continuous run type of model. So uh, has a switch to drive it into its high ventilation rate when you're showering or um, toilet use. But when you turn that off, or perhaps it's driven by occupancy, it drops back into a ventilation rate that's maybe a third of its maximum. Now that really helps us with making sure all bathrooms are really well dried out. So that, that's the obvious risk with inter, what we'll call intermittent mechanical ventilation for a bathroom. You uh, jump in, you shower up, you jump out, as you head to work, you flick the fan off still a heap of moisture in there. In winter, there's nowhere for that moisture to go. It, it's just turning, just being absorbed by your surfaces or ultimately turning into mold growth if you've done nothing with it. Um, high, low, low continuous ventilation, make sure that dries out. We need to be just a fraction mindful where that makeup air is coming from. So um, one of the challenges of having unbalanced ventilation is we don't know where that air path is. So is the makeup air or air that needs to come into the building to fill that vacuum that's been created by an exhaust fan, does it come through our roof space? 
Does it come through our garage? Is it over mouldy um, insulation bats with some rat droppings and things like that? So we've got to think a little bit about what are the air quality implications. You might actually have a dedicated, like a trickle vent in your build somewhere so we can kind of define the path that that comes in. As we start to move further into tighter buildings, so five and lower, we're definitely in the HRV zone there. So, um, but again, don't, uh, don't necessarily go for the premium system at that kind, of, um, that kind of level. You can start to think about entry level systems and what you want. And as you work your way down, build your spend. Mm -hmm. um, the logic is that there's plenty of data that shows even those 10 air change per hour, what we consider leaky buildings to be, still um, can accumulate large um, levels of contaminants. So particularly CO2, which we use often as a marker because it's the yeah. easy one to measure. Um, but there's plenty of data that we've collected locally showing um, elevated CO2 levels in bedrooms overnight. So a master bedroom, door closed, is going well above sort of that 1,000 ppm threshold that we're keen to stay under. So, um, so yeah, leaky building doesn't mean a ventilated building. And we also yeah. don't know the ventilation path as well. So we don't know anything about the quality of that air. Yeah, that's a bit of a misconception, I feel. There is a definite difference between ventilation and leaking leakiness you know it's um and i think yeah you've, you've very much clarified or defined what ventilation is um the one thing i just wanted to mention is that you probably would like to have a baseline of air changes for a house to be able to ascertain what the best possible solution is for that home so the easiest way to do that is, is a blower door test and i know joe you've, you've referenced a few of the uh, terminologies that we use there um describing what those uh you know ach is air changes an hour and we use uh, the benchmark of 50 pascals so that we can always have, um, you know, it's basically an international uh, volume or rate, sorry, that we test at so that we can always have a consistent um, re result from those tests. At what point during a project do you get involved? So is this something that should be considered during the design of a new house, the construction of a new house, or is it even possible to, you know, fit one in after the fact, you know, if people um, live in an existing home, they do get a blower to test or they they want to make some air tightness changes um, and they're also then interested in getting some mechanical ventilation. Is that something that's possible as well? Yeah, so good question. Um, it's always easier, like 99% of things to put it in when it's being built and yeah. it, it'll be lower cost and you'll be able to get a more effective system design. So um, we'd love to be involved at that design development phase and in practical that terms, that really just means as soon as you've mapped out your um, floor plan, um, that's the time to kind of chat. Once you've locked that away, we know basically the duct routing and we can start talking about spatials and whether there's any structural things that might be impacted. So yeah, yeah. retrofit projects are certainly possible. Um, they are always going to be more expensive and potentially have some compromises, but um, 
for those in the sort of um, technical space there, there are decentralized units as opposed to ducted units. Uh, decentralized in a, in a resi context is something that um, we'd also call through wall. Uh, and so it's actually got a wall tube um, uh, that carries um, that airflow. Typically there's components in that wall tube. So they do have minimum effective wall thicknesses, we'll call it. And so for the typical Australian build, often our wall assemblies aren't quite thick enough. We need to be up around about that 300 millimeter mark usually because we've got fans in there and we might even have the heat exchanger itself in that wall tube. Uh, the higher performance units are typically single point. So they will only service one room. There are some um, other products that are we'll call push-pull, so two unit heads simultaneously working together. So we're not pressurizing or depressurizing, but one is supplying one unit head and the other is extracting, and you can park those in different rooms. So you ventilate two rooms and kind of the space between. Uh, on a performance basis, a ducted system will always outperform decentralized. Mm-hmm. For a few reasons, as we've discussed, it's kind of the precise location of supply and extract points yeah. um, to make sure there's no short circuiting and that we're capturing um, odors and contaminants at the closest possible point. Um, we also typically find ducted systems have got higher um, heat recovery efficiencies uh, and obviously noise can be lower because the unit can be positioned in a, a less sensitive area. We've talked about price um, a little bit here and there, or you've mentioned it a couple of times. Can you give us a rundown of what people would have to expect to pay if they wanted to get um, yeah, a mechanical ventilation unit? Maybe speaking of, of these two um, examples you just mentioned of decentralized and centralized. Yeah, yep. So the kind of entry level point, I guess, is uh, decentralized push-pull type units. And they're probably going to run you in the order of $1,400 or $1,800, something like that for a pair. So they're good to do a couple of rooms. So you get a couple of bedrooms out of there. Um, must be installed in pairs in that kind of um, product so that we maintain that balanced flow rate. Um, and you can apply multiples of those. So if you were ignoring wet area extract in your typical um, four bedroom house and a living space, you, maybe you might put three sets in. So mm -hmm. let's say you're kind of at that $5,000 mark, something like that, plus some install. Uh, when you step up into ducted, you go up a little bit in price, but you're now also managing your wet area extract better. And I'll mm -hmm. include kitchen in that as well. Kitchen, laundry, toilet, bathroom. Uh, and you're probably going to, for a typical three to four bed home, you're probably going to sit uh, in, a, in a reasonably wide range, depending on quality of unit and so forth, uh, somewhere between sort of as an installed cost, 12000 out to potentially 20000 as an installed cost. As your spend goes up, you get higher um, heat recovery efficiency, you get lower noises, uh, um, you probably get some better filtration options uh, and you get um, probably lower um, power consumption 
when measured as a whole house system. But yeah, maybe walk through like, what does a typical installation look like? Um, and, you know, are they commissioned? And, and yeah, what is, yeah, run us through that. Yeah, essentially two parts or two phases to the installation. There's a rough in phase, which is where you're going to run all your stuff that sits above your plaster line that's no longer going to be accessible. And then there's a kind of a fit off phase. So in that rough in phase, you're going to get all your internal ductwork and your grill housings in place. And later on, you're going to be able to come back and fit off your grills and then your HRV unit under there. Typically, we're only ever going to have one grill in a given room. So we're not needing a supply air grill and an extract point in that one room. Because we're ventilating at nice low rates, we can actually pass that air under the door. And we typically only need that sort of 8 to 10 mil undercut on a standard width door. So at night, you can close your door in your bedroom, you can have darkness and silence, and that, that air just uh, bleeds its way under the door and into the adjoining bathroom or extract zone. Once it's installed and the plaster's been uh, put up and you've come back and fitted the grills, I imagine that you mentioned earlier on that you've got to balance the internal air. How do, how do you go about ensuring that that's the case, that it's... There's a range of sort of technology at HRV level as well. So some of the more advanced units will uh, assist the commissioning agent by having um, some flow control. Now, obviously at the HRV unit, that's just balancing total supply and total extract. We haven't yet, there's, there's nothing around that's gonna give you balanced flow rate or target flow rates in each individual room. And so there's still always a requirement for a commissioning agent to go around with a flow hood or a contractor and measure the extract or the supply air rate to each space. Now, good suppliers will provide uh, airflow design uh, and that will provide rates. So, for example, when we look at a look at a floor plan, we'll say, look, there's a um, there's a bathroom. We're going to need um, 40 cubic metres per hour extract from there. So in a passive house type context on boost, uh, and we're gonna need 20 cubes into that bedroom and 20 there. And so we are allocating uh, at the same time rates to different rooms, but we're having to make sure the totals add up on the supply mm. and the extract side. And so that's the role of the commissioning agent to make sure all those air flight, airflow rates are balanced uh, and we can say balanced at a what's known as a standard or a nominal ventilation rate. And then it's really typical to also then apply a boosted rate for um, shower use and cooking, or if you've got a larger number of people than normal in the house, where you apply 30 odd percent increase over that standard ventilation rate. Thank you for listening to the Outlier podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au forward slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.